Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tino, Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making time for this. Uh, I appreciate it. I have lots of questions about the brand new album uh, or upcoming album, Tether, which I want to ask you about. But I got to ask something spicy to keep everybody listening before we get to that. So (laughs) the question is, I have to know, why did you guys go butt rock with Restoring Force, which for the record is my favorite of Mice and Men album? (laughs) Oh, for the riches. Yeah, and, for and the just, glamour, and just, dude. And just and just to upset just to upset everybody. And the bootcut jeans, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bootcut jeans and, and leather wrist cuffs. But in all seriousness, I mean that was a big departure and I thought it turned out great. Um, but I'm sure you you sort of had to know that some people, you know, weren't gonna be happy about it not being metalcore anymore. And like how did you guys think about that? Uh, I heard a quote a long time ago that said you could be the ripest, juiciest, most perfect peach in the world. And there's still people out there that fucking hate peaches. So, (laughs) you know, for us, it was it was just about refining what we felt like our sound was at the time um, and just refining our songwriting. And it's kind of funny because I feel like people equate more like traditional songwriting or more developed songwriting as being butt rock whereas in reality we were just we were writing songs that had zero structure to them before that were (laughs) right that were just parts and parts and parts and so i think there's something about sort of as you refine songwriting it eventually gets to a point where people who like more sporadic and less developed things will be like what are you doing this is too organized now selling (laughs) out and it's like i don't know i just thought we were writing better songs i don't know (laughs) I think another big thing that came into the fold there too was um, getting the opportunity to work with David Bendiff, who's an an incredibly um, talented and multifaceted producer. Uh, Getting him into the mix, he opened up our palette, I think, to understanding songwriting. And we called it the Bendiff Boot Camp, but he really kind of like, I don't know, like, kind of bent us into shape and was like, you know, sure. what Tino, let me, let me tell you something. Okay. Yeah. These okay. aren't songs, oh, yeah. but a drummer wouldn't play that. Like on uh, all this shit where we, we had just never heard these things before. You know what I mean? Because yeah, on the first two albums, we wrote all those songs The like Joey Sergis didn't write a single thing on that album. Like Which we wrote for a lot of other bands. He did. He did. And I have 
I have seen somebody say that Joey Sturgis wrote our albums. No, we 100% wrote all of them. He actually didn't want to write anything for our band. <laughs> so we had to do it all ourselves, um, which in hindsight is fucking awesome because 100% our music is our band and it always has been. But I think once we got with um, with Bendif, he really kind of like opened our eyes to what a producer's job would be and how they challenge ideas that that we bring to the table and how they're able to refine them. And he also kind of put in our head, like, where do you want to be playing these songs? Do you want to mm -hmm. be playing them in, in small bars and clubs where it's in your face and thrashy, or do you want to be playing these songs in arenas? And, right. uh, and a big thing that we talked about was we want to go on tour with Lincoln park. We want to go on tour with Slipknot. We want to go on tour with big bands that, that, um, <clears throat> you know, fill massive rooms and hopefully one day, you know, ourselves be that band too. And the, he said the gateway to do that is you need to write better songs and you have to think of them as songs. They can't be, like a bunch of parts that you string together with a bunch of really technical stuff that nobody can latch on to. Yeah. It needs to be a lot more refined. And I think our version of that was restoring force because there are still really, we, we were still able to keep some of our really heavy stuff. Like, you know, a song like you make me sick or mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> what's, what's the other one glass hearts or something. But even those songs had become more refined because on the other songs, which were the singles, like the Would You Still Be There, the You're Not Alone, we he kind of taught us how to structure songs and how things should flow. So then we injected that into our metalcore mold and mm -hmm. were able to kind of come out with something that <clears throat> resonated with a much larger audience than even we realized what we were doing. You know, it was all in theory. We're in a in a dark cave studio with no windows, <laughs> like we were completely like hermited in there creating this, yeah, creating <laughs> this music that we had no idea what it was going to be like because we knew it was a departure, but it's to us, you know, when you, when, when the bands are creating it, it's them. So they feel like, okay, yeah, this is us. And we just weren't, we weren't as concerned what the fans were going to think because we were excited about it. And, yeah. you know, sure enough, that album, uh, rocketed us to radio opened up yep. so many doors for us and really was the the game changer album for us that kind of shifted the trajectory of the band and really quickly i also wanted to mention my patreon if you like what i do on youtube and everywhere else joining my patreon really helps me do this full time and worry less about videos getting demonetized by youtube or copyright claimed by labels patrons get all my podcasts and main channel videos early there are members only channels in my discord that i'm super active in i also do giveaways for example i've been giving away a lot of emos not dead merch and you can also have me review your music artwork or anything else all you need to do is join my Patreon at the $10 level. And then every month I do a call for submissions. If you want me to review something, just drop it in the comments of that post. And then I will review it live on Twitch. So if any of that sounds cool to you, hit the link in the description of this video. And I appreciate your support. It's interesting. You talk about like the structure thing. Cause I remember when I first started hearing that MySpace metalcore stuff, you know, like the, the, the Joey era, like 2008, 2009 and stuff, I was like, this makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, like the woe is me album. There's not a chorus on that entire album. And I'm not, I'm not putting it down or saying it's bad. It's just like, 
I feel like I'm having a stroke because <laughs> none of this stuff makes any sense. Totally. We used yeah. to even call the we used to call the choruses like the part with the clean singing. That was the chorus, <laughs> right, like right. which makes no sense to songwriting it's not whatsoever. A chorus, it's no, it's absolutely not a chorus, but it's just the clean singing part. But we used to think of it that way, like okay, well then this is the chorus because that's the part that that's where the clean singing is, and so that makes sense. And uh, you know, that's, sci and, that's scientific. Checks yeah. out. So yeah. it's, you know, it, there just wasn't that kind of thought put into it because really what a lot of those early songs are and what as musicians too, I think a lot of what younger musicians, they do what excites them. You know what I mean? And they're, right. and it is in a way like, you know, growing up, we all kind of like grew up, you know, everyone listens to punk rock for a while and stuff like that. And, you know, like you want to have fun, exciting, fast, like jams that you're going through or whatever. And then you kind of inject some heaviness into it and whatever, what have you. But yeah, really it was doing restoring force kind of taught us how to write songs, actual songs that are listenable to a wider audience than just the niche tight jean wearing metalcore audience with deep V's. <laughs> and I think that audience, like they were so young that like, I think so much of it was just like, it was a cool vibe and a cool sound and there were a lot of like big personalities who looked cool and and so they weren't necessarily listening for songs if that makes sense it's just like i like this whole thing like what this thing is even if the songs aren't necessarily there does that make sense oh definitely absolutely ap you said something uh the other day when we were at the airport about <clears throat> like it was like a moment to go to these shows because everyone was going to the shows and you didn't even have to be a fan of the band, but you knew that everyone that like you saw on the internet or whatever was going to be at the concert for whatever band, because it was like a really underground moment. A AP, if you, mm -hmm. you could expand on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think, I think some, uh, there's something that happens in our scene and it usually happens to like one or two bands at a time, but bands become, um, like almost like culturally and societally relevant in terms of the scene in, 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 in so much as to say like, Oh, well, this is the show. If you're part of the scene, you're going to be at the show because this is right. what everybody who's in the scene is going to be talking about. And if you don't go to the show, well, then you're not really in the scene, you know, and mm -hmm. our, our band felt that, you know, years ago, I think bands like uh, bad omens are having moments like that now. Yep. Um, and then you have bands sort of like Sleep Token that are starting to sort of develop that moment too. Although that's kind of more, I guess, in the the radio rock world. But um, yeah, there's this this weird tipping point where it's like you're if if you become too culturally significant, then you sort of open yourself up to people being angry at you because you've changed the whole package by changing the music, even though the rest yeah. of it's the same. Like you said, you know. Well, speaking of the the upcoming album, I've only heard uh, I've only heard the two songs that are out. But to me, it does kind of feel like you've sort of come full circle as a band. And it, it sounds to me like if you took every era of the band and combined it into one thing, you know, but in a way that feels really natural, that's what it sounds like to me so far. What do you guys think about that, and what should we expect from it? I think that's a very very accurate assessment given what we've dropped i think there's there's some material that's maybe touching on things we haven't done but i think largely what we wanted to do was sort of 
um, you know, agreeing with you, just sort of take our sound or what we feel like are our, our best qualities and distill that into our eighth album. Um, I think there's a Jeez, lot of eight albums. Yeah, That's eight wild. albums. It's pretty wild, <laughs> especially when you have to choose a 40 minute set. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, one song from each record. <laughs> you know, but um, but no, you know, I think it's a it sort of presents itself with a unique challenge of of how do we how do we offer the audience something new um but with familiar flavors you know and with a familiar history so when you listen to it 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 still has a very sort of um nostalgic feeling to it i think and i think it had that for us creating it you know it reminded us sort of of being back in the 2013 studio where it's like all right let's uh let's figure out what we're doing now you know like working on restoring force or whatnot so i think um yeah i think that's a very fair assessment and i think there's a lot of stuff that's going to excite fans that have been with us for a long time okay does that mean something super heavy <laughs> there are yeah there are moments because that that's gets, always what the kids moments, want there are moments that get super heavy um it's for funny kids meaning it's, 32 year olds yeah i mean you know there's it's it's interesting right because i feel like i see that a lot but then we'll release something that's not super heavy that focuses more on like the emotional aspect of the song and that seems to resonate way more with people that listen to it in higher numbers, but that don't necessarily take right. their time to tweet me about it, <laughs> you know? Right, so right. it's super interesting. Um, it's definitely, I'd say if it, of all the records, it's probably closest to restoring force. That'd be my, my guess. Okay. If, if interesting. I had, I've... if I took myself out of it and just objectively looked at all of our other albums and said, Oh, which is this most like, I think it's most like that one. Truthfully. Okay, that's interesting. What do you think, Tino? Um, I agree with that. I think I think the album could come like after Restoring Force. You know what I mean? Like after we learned mm -hmm. a bunch of that, we got really into like really heavy into sound design and trying to like learn how to use uh, these tools of like you know soft synths and uh, different you know sonic textures that are outside of just the the instruments that we play, you know, drums, bass, guitar for a long time. That was the entire sound of the band because that's all we knew how to play. You know what I mean? We don't know. We didn't know how to use computer programs. There was one computer between everybody in the band, like, <laughs> uh, and now we're able to create from a different, like, uh, from a different starting point, you know, like starting not just with like, okay, here's a sick riff. Okay. This is what I'm going to play drums. And this is what it's going to be we've kind of um, shifted the way the songwriting happens, which is kind of more like, wow, this sounds really cool. This is like, uh, not to sound cliche, but like, this is a vibe. Like, oh damn, that sounds so cool. How do we make this sound like, um, like of mice? Like how, how do we shift? Like one song that I think of that I think is gonna, that, that's a really great showcase of that is there's a song on the album called Shiver. And that song really has so much sonic textures that would not have been possible without getting uh, experimental with stuff. And then we brought in our instruments and it turned into like one of my favorite songs that is probably on the record because it's, it's heavy, it's emotional. It's like, it has a vibe. And I think every song on the album has its own, feeling to it it is each one is like if you hear the first two songs we released war paint 
that's what we would call like a classic of my like barn burner. Right. You know what I mean? That's the heavy. That's going for the jugular. That's like uh, like we love those songs. But then we also wanted to balance it with a song like Castaway, which for mm-hmm. us is like a fun, upbeat rock song to play live. That's a sing along. You know what I mean? And those songs are those songs on the record. There's not another one that follows those vibes. It like continues on a journey through this sonic landscape that I feel like we were kind of able to make post doing the last record because we learned so much self-producing the our previous album Echo that we were like, okay, now how do we challenge ourselves to make an even better record? Like, cause to us, we're like, damn, these those songs on Echo, that shit's gonna be hard to top. Like how how are we going to follow that? Like, And some of that really- material is pretty out there with regards to what we had done before and what people could have expected. I mean, even the song itself, Echo, is like hugely based around like loops and sampling and sound design. And fans really like that. So we felt like we sort of had a, a bit of a green light from them to get even weirder with it, I guess. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a challenge at this point in your career when you're on album number eight, you know, it's like album two or three, sort of like people don't really know where you're going to go. And there's like, you know, just the, the, the fog of war is a little bit heavier than when you're on album number eight. It's sort of like, not that you're limited, but it's just a different place. Oh yeah. And I think we have to, we have to work hard now. And I think it becomes a a little more challenging with every record to, keep ourselves excited because if we're not excited about it then the audience isn't going to be excited about it and if we don't care about it then they're not going to care about it and right. if we don't if, if we don't feel like it's a logical progression or it's something new or um it's something meaningful well then the audience isn't going to feel those things either so a lot of what we have to do when we're working on records is be a bit selfish with who we're writing for because you know um I think Rick Rubin, you know, he always, it's funny. I I love, (laughs) it's like, I I just love hearing him talk about music. He said something that was like, well, you have to write for the, for the audience. And the first listener is you. I was like, oh, well, 
It's not I mean, rock. It just, it it's just never works. <laughs> like we can all think of lots of times where a band, especially like kind of in your sort of scene, has tried to make something that's more accessible, that's gonna, you know, get them bigger on radio and and whatnot. And it it never works unless it's authentic. You know, it, it just doesn't. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can't force I that wish stuff it did. because that'd be cool. The, the fans, yeah, oh, I wish the, there was just a pattern to success. I would just repeat yeah. it over and over. Shame fans see right through it. They, yeah, they, they can, they, they smell when it's funky. You know what I mean? Like that's why you have bands that when they're the when they're at their most authentic, they blow up. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they they rise to the top because when there there's like there's only so much room for like like vapid music that is not meaningful. You know what I mean? And and yeah. I think we we were able to learn that really early on in our career because we always really tried to focus on are we excited and is there emotional integrity to what we're doing? And our fans really held us accountable for that. Mm-hmm. And um <clears throat> I think realizing that early on and now being on our eighth record it really was like that's where the full circle comes around is like what not that our albums uh were not made with intention but this new album tether really had that like we're we know we're gonna go back out on tour with this record because that's a whole other thing too is we haven't seen our fans and we finally saw our fans for the very first time in 1313 days yeah, I saw that. Uh, that, that Your was first on, show in three Friday. years. Yeah. yeah. It, and we've never, any of us in our adult lives haven't been, haven't not played a show for that long. You know what I mean? So right. we kind of really wanted to remind ourselves and remind our fans that like, this is the, like writing music and being able to perform it is the most important part of all of our lives. And we needed to kind of like, put that into our mission statement of these songs. And that is probably why it will feel like a full circle moment, because it does give that feeling of when we really did that for the very first time with restoring force. And that's why it kind of draws notes from that because the intention is 100% there and authentic for um, the emotion and what, what we want to share with our audience. And, uh, and the new songs went over, freaking awesome we even debuted a, a brand new freshie which we've never done before that That's wasn't fine. even out yet and it was sick <laughs> it went over well, awesome tell me about um tell me about that fest i mean i've heard everyone say what a disaster it was it got you know canceled uh because of weather and whatnot um as someone who was there what what was it like playing that <laughs> so we <laughs> we flew in and the day we fly in we hear about how big of a nightmare it is because of the rains and they're evacuating and there was a rumor that lightning had struck on the grounds and then it would it had hailed. So we'd landed. We were like, man, there's a very good possibility that we're not going to play tomorrow. Um, our day was basically a high of 96. It was basically sunny all day and it had what felt like a 90 percent humidity after the rain. <laughs> um, so it went from being very like catastrophically muddy to now people are fainting and passing out because of the heat. Um, I mean, our set was fantastic. It was definitely a challenge going three years without playing a gig and then playing a gig in extreme heat like that. Right. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, everybody 
people's faces in the audience, they looked like they were definitely feeling it, but they, you know, everyone was having a great time. Um, we definitely did run into sort of like festival fragmentation where people seem to, they have very limited information about anything. They just know what right. their, what their job is. So the, the person checking your pass at the gate knows to check your pass at the gate, but they couldn't tell you where catering is or where sure. the entrance is or where production is or nobody knows where anything is. So we definitely, I mean, that's pretty normal though, right? Uh, no, ish, maybe <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's, there's usually, you could usually find somebody that has some okay. sort of idea of what's going on. Like we couldn't find, uh, the media tent for press. So actually me, Tino and our manager walked around the festival grounds cause we had a dropped pin so we're like looking on a phone <laughs> and we're like, are we getting close? Are we getting closer to the dropped bin? It's like, oh, I believe so. Let's head in this like direction. Pokemon Go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very much like that. Um, no, thankfully, you know, for us, we didn't deal with a lot of the problems. I would say we dealt with har- hardly any of what's being publicized, but I could say like, yeah. so, like being there, it's, I would believe most of the reports that you'll read about a friend of mine who was working on the tour or the festival rather said this is the most disorganized shit show i have ever been part of in 20 years of touring that's that could that could 100 percent. i could see why somebody would say that we thankfully didn't have that experience like i said we we found somebody early from production that was sort of like our one-to-one contact that knew what was going on um we had decent weather and you know because we flew in with all of our pieces and we didn't have like vehicles or trucks or anything to unload. It was a pretty easy pack unpack. So thankfully we didn't have to deal with a lot of that stuff, but I know a lot of people dealt with that and especially the fans, they dealt with worse, you know, it was a a four day festival that went one and a half days because of weather. um, And because of whatever else happened after that. But um, yeah, you know, I feel like they're sort of, they're the ones that have to deal with it, you know? Right. Well, I was like hearing from people like you guys who've been doing this stuff for so long. And I think you guys are very objective about sort of, you know, being able to look at your own work. Um, so I'm curious, um, what would you rank as the top, say, four, since you're on album number eight, the top four of Mice and Men albums and why? And uh, I don't know if, uh, it, 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 yeah, I don't know if you guys want to tag team this one or what. Hmm. Top four. And it, it it might be cheating for you, Aaron, since that's so you know, hard. A couple that you weren't on. To me, it's sort of like I don't know. For me, albums are like yearbooks. So it's like, what's your pick your top two yearbooks from high school? <laughs> it's sort of like, well, they're just different. You know what I mean? Like one's yeah. ninth grade, one's tenth grade. I don't know that one's better than the other. I feel like and yeah, it probably is cheating for me a little bit. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I well, you've been on, on you've been suck. on, you've been on almost all of them, AP. Yeah, six, six of six of <laughs> yeah, the six eight. of eight. Um, I think our last four. I think we are getting better as we go, and just and and okay. and and I think maybe not everybody would feel that way, obviously. But I I feel like the material we're making. I enjoy more and more and more as we go. So I feel like this record that we're about to release is my favorite. Echo's probably my second favorite, and it probably goes backwards. Earth and Sky Defy. Um, 
and not that I don't feel fondly about the old material, but it's sort of like um, it's hard to go back and look at your work before you feel like you had more knowledge of what you're doing now, you know? So it's like, right. to me, to me, that feels everything about that feels more adolescent. It feels less developed because it was, because it was, mm -hmm. it was 10 years ago. So it was, what have we learned in 10 years? And for, for a band like us that self produces and we do everything in house, Tino did the artwork. It's like, we learn something every go around and it sort of feels, um, it would feel like a shame maybe if if that would have been the favorite having having gone 10 years of all the knowledge and then been like oh i guess i guess what we did 10 years ago you know what i mean but so <laughs> I, yeah but i think you never hear an artist say like yeah our latest album's the worst one but it's best you know we tried but it's the worst one yeah which well, i what think, do you that, think that, you that would that would be a refreshing take wouldn't it in press yeah like, i would, Man, we, I would we love tried it really hard but yeah, if we tried really hard, I think we came up short, but we did the best we could. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you think, That's Tino? So Any disagreement there? Um, no, I mean, I agree. I I think I think what what Aaron said is right. Is like they are yearbooks, and and I think with every album we learn something a little bit more. And uh, doing it was it really just felt like you know, like I, I I look back on like you know Defy. We got to work with Howard Benson and chris lord sure. algae and like mike plotnikoff like we the dream that to me that album is so criminally underappreciated that there are it is kind of slept on dude oh my god man like <laughs> is it those though? songs are there's some songs on there that i just think are like like what like do you how come this never comes up you know what i mean and i feel like like what aaron said i think that is important to continue like constant elevation right so we make an album and then we think well what are what are we going to do this next time to be able to top it and i feel like that four album run defy earth and sky echo and now tether is a run of consistently topping each record and i feel like that is that might be a cliche thing to say but as a musician and as like a a, a creative mind that we all are I feel like if you're not getting better with each album, like that's a little concerning. And especially with how <laughs> it's very concerning. Yeah. Like with I how mean, you kind of have being... to believe that it's the same as like an athlete. You have to believe that you have the potential to be a world champion or what the fuck are you doing here? Of course. Exactly. And I think we're always striving for that. And the effort is always put in. And I feel like because we know, know and understand each other and can speak the same musical language together not a lot of bands have that and and i would wager to even say that there are not that many bands anymore that are a, a band yeah. of musicians that actually all create music together it, yeah. it's become a lot more refined there's a lot more inclusion of songwriters and and other stuff which is sick but like it's just I a think, different thing yeah totally it's it's a totally different thing and i feel like as we continually create music together, it pushes each other to excite each other with our ideas and what we can, what we think is the next move forward. And I feel like with, you know, with the upcoming album, that was, that's a huge thing. Like that I, I would wager to say we were more fans of this album. I think also probably because of the content, because echo was very like, like echo, was kind of a sad album that that album yeah. dealt with a lot of loss 
and uh, and we all dealt with a lot of loss during that time. And in as like weird as it sounds, like with Tether, it kind of feels like like a phoenix rising from the ashes or something like that. Where there's the definitely hope way that, more of a hopeful tone. Yeah, the, like. this is a, such a more hopeful record, and it's it's a lot. It it feels that way when we were writing it. It feels that way when we were listening to it, and it really is something where we still listen to the album and we're like, damn, we did that. Like, and we can't wait to share it with our fans because it, it it does feel like the next step in the band's evolution and in our discography to be able to kind of return to form and kind of come out of the darkness and come out of, come into the light and really, you know, show our true colors and what our band can really do. And to have, played some of those songs at the festival for the first time in over three years, you know, to be in the sunshine, to be there performing for our audience again. And, you know, it, it feels like that kicked off what is seemingly in our minds, probably our most important record to date. Well, if I can't get you to rank your albums, how about, let's try this. How about ranking your haircuts through the years? Because I feel like you guys have <laughs> or all, I think you've all gone from short to long to back again. So what what's your stance on haircuts in the current year? Dude, I need one, but I feel like <laughs> we've already maxed, like we've already maxed out on this album's budget for doing press photos and I have long hair in them. So I feel like I've kind of, <laughs> I feel like I've kind of committed to it. I feel like if I change the look, people might be a little confused. Um, mm. no, nobody give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I've either had really terrible haircuts or long hair. So the long hair is sick. <laughs> my long hair. I vote AP's long hair is the same. And my long hair is not really a haircut. It's all kind of chopped at the same length. I was literally, I was telling my lady, I was like, babe, I should, I should get a haircut. Like I should, even if it's long, it should be styled at least somewhat. I think you should go to one of those like uh, rich MILF salons in Orange County and get like Belliage oh, and Beachy Waves. Dude, you know how yeah. expensive that is? Man. <laughs> it's worth it. It's uh, worth it. Yeah, Listen, you, you, you got to invest for, you, in yourself. You get what you pay for. That's true. Yeah, yeah exactly. Alan, Alan keeps saying that. He shows me pictures of Jared Leto and goes, dude, you should do your hair like this. And I'm like, Alan, do you realize like the kind of budget that that man has for his appearance versus... I don't. I don't have any sort of stipend for that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So like, well, maybe we this talk is to the something the band something. should invest in. Yeah, yeah for sure. Invest in my in my appearance. I don't know. Shot. I mean, gets, yeah, yeah. Gets what are you saying, Finn? What are you saying? No, I'm just saying. I'm pick, maybe I'm, I'm it's time it to get I'm the the you know the Newport Beach you know uh, milf hair. That's just a thought. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. I can Take see it. Or leave it. I can see I mean, it. Yeah. You are the expert. You're the one that follows these trends, so I'm inclined to believe you. I'll, I'll book my appointment. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. Um, well, uh, I, I also want to get your thoughts on some of the bands that are kind of making noise these days. You, you mentioned them earlier, but you know, you guys have been doing this for a long time, so I'd be I'd be curious to know. We'll go down the list here, and I'd be curious to know from your perspective, um, like what is interesting about these bands, um, and and why you think they're getting traction, since you're even closer to it than I am. Um, you mentioned Sleep Token earlier, which seems to be the big breakout band of this generation. What are your thoughts? Oh, their albums are great. They're captivating. And it's one of the small corners of the entertainment industry where there's even just an ounce of mystery left. 
<laughs> right. You know what I mean? And people value yeah, that. Yeah. It's everything yeah. is so laid out now and everybody has access to everybody and everything. And, like you, know. you can literally see your favorite rapper's asshole sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you if that's what you, you know, if you want. Sure. <laughs> but but you know, it's um I think that aside from just their musicality, which they're they're great, um, it's something that's a little bit left to center musically, but then also, like I said, it's it's where else do you get any mystique at all? Like in any mm -hmm. of it. Like where is where is the mystery in rock and roll or or the scene or anything? It's like everybody's mm -hmm. You can read everybody's thoughts. You can read what everybody was thinking when they took a shit in the morning before their cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. It's like, and in that band, you don't even know who's in it necessarily, you right. know? Right. Um, and I think because there isn't all of that extra baggage of who's who and what's what associated with it, that it, it sort of gives the audience just a more pure experience because they're not, I don't know, shackled down by who's in it. Not, not that people are, but you know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think, Tino? Yeah, dude, I really like Sleep Token. Um, I got into them like it was it was like right during the pandemic and stuff like that. And uh, it was on their last record. And I was like, man, that drummer is so nasty. Like he's so good. And the musicianship is is so there. And and um, I thought it, I thought it was cool that there is a lot of mystery. And then when they started dropping their new stuff and really blowing up, I was like, I I could feel nothing but like excitement for them because I felt like, damn, this band is so slept on and they're doing something that is different and original sounding enough to where it should be, you know, one of the biggest bands of the time. Because I, I do think that uh, musicianship and the way that you're able to present your, your brand and your art to the world, I, I think a lot of that stuff kind of goes hand in hand and i thought that um but yeah they're really knocking it out of the park and um they were it was cool to get to see them at the festival and um i don't know they pull it off live too you know what i mean and, and they they deliver a great a great sultry performance and shit mm -hmm. like that you know what i mean with the the singers like the backup singers and just yeah their whole thing is i mean it makes it's, sense. It's you know sick. what I mean? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's it's, I sick. think it's, it's amazing that sick. they have had this much success playing music that like it has accessible moments, but it's, I mean, these are like six to nine minute songs sometimes like, right. you know, it's, it's pretty challenging stuff and you know, they're still getting all this traction, which I think that's tough to do. Yeah, yeah totally. Definitely. I think, I think a lot of it just has to do with, See, it's funny because I don't even think whether it's accessible or not has a lot to do with whether it takes off. But I do think whether the audience feels it's it's accessible or not has a lot to do with it. Because you can have really mm. complicated stuff, but if it's presented in an accessible way, it doesn't necessarily feel as challenging. You know, mm. it's just like, oh, we'll sit here and listen through it and it'll take you on a journey. But it's not necessarily presented like it's a Pink Floyd song or Tool song. Like, you're never going to be able to figure this one out, kid. Sure. Right, you know, right. but um, right. I do think there is a, 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 a huge amount of complexity to their music that a lot of people who are discovering that band maybe aren't getting in a lot of what they're listening to. And it's presented in a way to them that that doesn't seem so um, overwhelming, I guess. Like it's not yeah. it, it's not it's not so overtly musical and cerebral that like you can't tap your foot to it. You know, you can just sit there and ooh and groove along to it. And so. 
Yeah, it's just okay. pre presenting new ideas with a little bit of mystique. I think I think very much it's the same sort of thing that happened with uh, with Ghost. Mm -hmm. and, yes. and Ghost yes. is and Ghost is massive because again, that's another. It's it's the music's more accessible, and you're doing something that. I mean, Ghost is when Ghost came out, that was pretty left field. Even though it totally. harkens, even though it harkens back to things like Blue Oyster Cult or whatnot, it's like at the time, it's like, whoa, this is this is pretty different. And then you throw in the fact that it's like, oh, and not only that, but we're not actually going to tell you who's in it or everything about it, and you get to wonder. It's like so much of entertainment is about feeding your eyeballs and stimulating your brain, and not there's not that thought of like, oh, well, when it's over, I want to leave the listener wondering about stuff. We always try and do that with our music. Like I, I lyrically, especially always try and do that. Like I try and leave enough breadcrumbs, but then when you're done, like maybe there's a line and you're like, what the hell is that about? You know, it makes you wonder. And I think there are bands that are doing that, you know, and I think that it, it works, especially because we're just so overindulged and overstimulated. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. How about uh, Bad Omens, another band that came up earlier? Also, I would say probably the second biggest kind of breakout band maybe of this generation. Oh, man, yeah. Um, great songwriting, great performance, great dudes. They've just, yeah. like, Ever since I've known them, they've just had the best attitudes. They're just love what they do, you know, and I think that connects with people. Um, and again, I think, you know, them them sort of experimenting with sound design. And if you kind of follow their 
discography, you can kind of see an evolution where they're sort of pushing the boundaries on what they feel like their sound is and what they feel like mm -hmm. excites them. And, you know, that's a band that's incredibly hands on with with creating and producing and, and yep. releasing their music. So I think going back to what Tino said, it's sort of like if you can really distill down to the creative elements being the people that are sort of driving the creative forces in the band, then you end up with something that the audience is either going to love or hate. But it's like that's kind of what you need in order to achieve that success, you know? Yeah, I saw a sick video of um, <clears throat> Noah making the death of peace of mind or one of those songs where he went around and sampled a bunch of shit around his house and then put together a beat. And like that song ended up being one of the songs on the album. And I love stuff like that. I think that's so cool and clever and just utilizing modern technology to create music that will first excite the creator but then when you share it with the audience it's it, it takes on a whole new life and i think they really captured something awesome with that record they're great dudes you know what i mean and to see them have the level of success that they're having is awesome dude they're they they fucking bring it and i love we love to see it you know what i mean like yeah being being in this being in this uh subculture for such a long time and seeing seeing like the peaks and valleys of bands coming out and falling off and this and that. And, and all while us maintaining our, our stride, however that may be. And um, you know, when we see stuff like that and it happens to good people, you know, like we couldn't be more excited for them and like proud as friends and peers and stuff like that. And also we're fans of this music. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we listen to these bands, like, we referenced the death of peace of mind a couple times on some of the songs we were doing. We're like, Oh damn, that one, that's, that's kind of cool. Like that, that's got like a little bit of like the electronic vibe that, that kind of like that's such a great pop sensibility. Totally. You, and you can hear that. You can hear that in not only the vocal delivery, but like a lot of those songs probably started as a pop song and turned yeah. into what is now a somewhat metalcore adjacent, like whatever, that could be whatever a Kim Petra song if you took out the guitars, basically. <clears throat> right, right. And and that's just kind of cool to look at from a from a creative standpoint. Like, oh, that's interesting. And I love when I love when um uh, when bands and musicians show their work. You know what I mean? And I think that's mm -hmm. cool. That's kind of why I brought up that that video that that Noah had that I was like, man, like we did our last album, we wrote a lot of it on Twitch. And a lot mm -hmm. of our fans were like, oh, my God, that's how you do it. And I'm like, yeah, that it, that's it's not a secret. You know, you, anybody yeah. could do it. Get a MacBook like it comes preloaded with Al still. Right. Alan still uses preloaded stock logic samples. And I'm always like, dude, let's I mean, find why a better. not. Yeah, but they're I'm there. Like, dude, let, dude, let's find yeah. a better one. And he's like, nah, this one's sick. And I love that somebody can find it and use it on their own, too. And I'm like, yeah, fair enough. I think that's so cool. And so mm -hmm. when you have these bands that are experimenting and then they're rising to the top, you know, that's an, that's an exciting thing. And um, Aaron always says it, but um, a rising tide raises all ships. And if yep. there's more, people if there's more people listening to metal music right now than there was five or 10 years ago, which for sure a, there is a hundred percent. Yeah. It, it's becoming somewhat mainstream again not mm -hmm. only with the fashion culture, but also with the music and the attendance at these festivals and these shows and 
when I see sold out metal shows, I get excited because that just means that the audience is there and appreciating this special, especially from relatively new bands. Totally. Yeah. 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 So yeah. for us, like, you know, when we see the, all these bands having a moment, it's like exciting. Cause then we know that we're going to go rock some festivals together and that it's, it, it kind of, it helps the, the metal culture and the, and the, the subculture of the concert attendees and, and this visceral music really, you know what I mean? Like, that's mm -hmm. why we all like it so much is because it, it speaks to us in ways that mainstream pop music doesn't, you know what I mean? And um, to get to see bands that are, you know, refining their sound and doing that all while we feel like we're doing that as well is it's just an exciting time. It's, it's an exciting time to be a fan of the genre, to listen to all these bands, to be inspired by these bands. And then to know that there's more listeners and the audience is growing and the freaking kick-ass metal playlist is almost at 2 million monthly listeners. That's insane. There's like yeah, over two, almost 2 million people are listening to metal every month. Like that's fucking gnarly. And then, and, and I think it's because of bands like that, that are really opening up people's eyes and ears to what this genre has to offer. And it's never meant, it was never meant to be a secret. You know what I mean? We were inspired by sure. the biggest bands on earth back in the day. You know what I mean? Like Limp Bizkit, Korn, Tool, Rage Against the Machine. You know what I mean? Like all those bands from back in the day, like that was not a secret. Metal and yeah. rock was, it was the mainstream music for a point in time when we were all kind of like in that um, influential age of, oh, this shit's sick. You know what I mean? They're headlining Woodstock. They're headlining the biggest festivals in the world. And um, and it feels like, you know, when when bands like this start to pop off, it really feels like we could get back to something like that. And being a part of that culture is really, really cool. It's just exciting to see. Well, last one, you mentioned the idea of bands that show their work. And I think maybe the ultimate example of that is Polyphia. Totally. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, so they're good. good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah they're talk, sick talk about a band that can just make you feel like you suck <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and what's worse what the part that makes me really angry is that tim is really good looking and he's not even short Dude. <laughs> i was like come on at least make him five foot four then i would feel a little bit better about myself Man, we're living in we're living in a simulation you know and and it ain't mine <laughs> right. I, just, yeah. I look at people like that and i'm like damn maybe we're living in that guy's simulation <laughs> right we're all no, just but the I mean, npcs they're, they're so that band is so fantastic and i mean I'm, I'm a fan i watch i'm I'm just gonna say it i watch hundreds of hours of reaction videos when they drop new music because oh, my wow. favorite because my favorite thing is to watch people who have never heard them listen to them and just go you could do you could do that with a guitar, and it's like, right? No, they can do that with a guitar. You and I can't <laughs> yeah, right, do that. Right, with a guitar. Right. They can though. But they're very musical, though. It's oh, not 100%. just like oh, jerking are, off. No, they are. Everything it's a pop they band. do is so melodically grounded in writing catchy, accessible, hooky music. Like right. Another, I don't think anything about what they do is jerking off. Like in in no. terms of in terms of showing their technical prowess it's like they use their technical prowess to just deliver just melodically a plus jams yeah i yeah, saw a I video of, it, of oh yeah go ahead 
Oh, I was just going to say, I think of it as similar to, say, like Ariana Grande, who's just like a super badass vocalist who does a lot of technically difficult things, but she's not doing it for its own sake. And I think of Polyphia kind of is the same thing as that. Very true. Also, in the same way, Ariana Grande does a lot of her own vocal production and arrangements and mm-hmm. recording and vocal comping and stuff. And the same way, Polyphia. But again, Polyphia, they're a band that is insanely hands on with their music. And as far as I know, it's like maybe they'll invite engineers or something to work on it. But it's like they are doing that. You know what I mean? Like that's them doing that. And that's a very distilled sort of sound. And I feel like, you know, maybe as as time goes on, that that's sort of be that I think that's going to be the thing that sort of differentiates artists now. You know what I mean? Is 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 how much of you is in there versus mm-hmm. different songwriters or different teams. And again, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But I do think that that's sort of I feel like that's sort of the defining thing that's setting a lot of people apart is that I'm noticing a lot of the people that are having um not just necessarily measurable success, but having music that's making an impact with people. It's largely people that are taking charge and doing it themselves because it's such a potent distillation of what that is, you know? And also doing, putting their creative energy into like their content and visuals and stuff like that too. Oh yeah. It's the whole, the whole package. Yeah. Speaking of which Tino did all the album artwork and all those, all the assets and everything hand painted, hand painted. Which was sick. It was super fun. You know, like we we wanted to take our creativity, you know, even further and handle everything that, that comes with the album and, and to kind of like we thankfully, you know, Sharp Tone believed in the vision too. You know what I mean? Like they they were fully on board with we wanted to do EPs for the last record and they were like, all right, mm-hmm. let's do it. Let's try it out. And then we did that and we're like, well, what are we going to do on this next one? And then it was like, well, maybe I'll try my hand at doing the artwork, you know, and let's try and do everything in house and not necessarily, not that we don't like other artists or, you know, I'm a fan of all kinds of artists, you know, but at the same time, it was just kind of like who better than the people creating the music to then create the visual identity of how the music will be received. And, um, and that just kind of, goes a little more into that process of nobody's going to do it like me or like us. Yep. Like we are each one of us is one of one, you know what I mean? And so when we come together, what we do for of mice and men, nobody else can do that. Somebody can help or try and envision it. But when it comes from us, that feels like the most, um, the most meaningful way of, of doing things. And I don't know if that's how it's going to be forever, but that's what it was for this one. And now we have like a yearbook of like, damn, like we did all that. That was us a hundred percent us with the help of the label. You know what I mean? But as far as the creativity behind everything, that was us. And nobody can, nobody can achieve that same thing as what we're able to do when we put our minds to uh, tapping into what excites us and what, you know, kind of what our vision for our music and our art really is. And that kind of goes back to what Aaron was saying about, you know, why some of these other bands are, are kind of popping off because nobody can do it like them because they are the ones that do it like that. And I think as we continue to make albums, which we're, you know, we're lifers for this, this is our, our whole career and our life. And so as we continue to do that, we're always going to want to challenge ourselves to, to be, 
<clears throat> as creative as possible to be able to deliver something that is truly like our original version of it to our audience and have our audience and our fans know that that's it comes from a place of where it excites us and it and it's literally from us and they they can feel like when they support our band that they're that they're a part of they're they're a bit of an influence in that side too cool well that sounds like a good place to leave it off for now uh always great to talk to you guys and, likewise uh, yeah I'll, thanks Finn. I'll see you next time cool yeah take care right on thanks okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from The Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.